Hello, welcome to the Skies and Currents podcast. Today is December 18th. I'm Teresa and I'm here with Christina and we're going to talk about the week ahead. Hello, Christina. Hey, Teresa, how are you? I'm good. It was very, very productive weekend. Um, and I woke up really early because I got the time change mixed up once again for our start time today. <laughs> so I've been up and productive for more hours than I was planning on, which is also nice. Unexpected benefit of waking up too early. Yeah. How yeah. are you? Uh, I am... <laughs> I am horrible. <laughs> so sad. Oh, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, you already know this, so... Uh, but yeah, no. I know there's part of me going, should, should I ask? Is it polite to ask? I know it's like the funny, like weird half pleasantries of like talking to someone who you talk to every day, but in a public context, I'm like, how are you? I already know exactly how you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You already know exactly how I am. <laughs> We're really just telling, you know, our audience, I guess how we are, but no, I'm fucking horrible. This is a miserable, miserable month. Um, Yes, it's just so bad. I mean, like, obviously, I'm fine. I'm here talking to you. I'm eating and breathing. Mm -hmm. I have my health. So it's not that bad. But but yeah, I'm just like, it's one of those things where <laughs> people always ask me, like, as an astrologer, do you look at your own chart? And I'm like, yes, but not very well. Because... <laughs> Because when you're looking at your own chart, I feel like our in the same way that we talked about last week, we talked about like things that we see inside, like whether we're seeing like uh, something from a drug trip or seeing something from having a spiritual vision or, um, you know, an experience in meditation. And, in the same way, like when I look at my own chart, I'm like, filtering it through my own fears and desires so a lot of times I'll either catastrophize a transit for myself or I will look at it in like the most possible you know um the most positive possible way um especially if it's related to something that I really want so so and oftentimes what happens is like I'll miss something very obvious because I tried to uh, I tried to write it into the story that I wanted to have for myself, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's definitely what happened this month. Like I knew this would be a difficult month, but I didn't know how difficult because I was I was trying to fit uh, obviously very bad transit <laughs> into like a, a story of like a productive story like oh like mars isn't going to uh cut someone out of my life mars is going to like move me in a productive direction <laughs> down a difficult but you know positive path <laughs> um but yeah so so yeah it's been it's been quite bad um but I was reading um, 
the Shiva Puranas all weekend, um, which, you know, I don't know. The Shiva Puranas are, for people who don't know, Shiva is one of the three major gods of Hinduism, uh, one of the trimort. Um, and he happens to be a version of the divine that I am particularly um, attached to and love. And so I was reading the Shiva Puranas all weekend and they're sort of these texts that uh, kind of tell Shiva's stories or mythologies. Um, and throughout the text, there's all these points at which it says, you know, like all mythological texts, it has these repetitive phrases. And it will say, so-and-so was deluded by Shiva's Maya. So um, confused by the generative illusion of the world um, that is created by Shiva. And like everyone's confused by Shiva's Maya. Like Vishnu is confused by Shiva's Maya, Brahma, like all <laughs> because they're, they're Shiva stories. <laughs> um, and, and, and in this, you know, in these this set of stories shiva is considered to be the main 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 guy so even you know vishnu who's also the main guy is also uh you know in within the context of these stories becomes secondary to shiva and so it's like you know someone is going along and they do something stupid or they do something evil or ignorant and it will say so and so was deluded by shiva's maya and so all weekend, I was just like, well, I was deluded by Shiva's Maya. Like, even Vishnu <laughs> is deluded by Shiva's Maya. So I guess I'm allowed right. to be also deluded by Shiva's Maya. <laughs> That's actually a really nice takeaway because it's true. Like, there is no, there's just, I mean, we can get, we can work to increase our clarity, right? Uh, but there's still not we're, we just don't really have like the machinery needed <laughs> to exist <laughs> in absolute reality like we're always going to process it some way and I'm the same way you know I don't I, I never look at the future like I very rarely look at the future for myself or for my kids because I just know that my attachments and desires and biases are going to be too strong to get clear information oh um, yeah which is why I'm always asking you. <laughs> I am frequently asking you. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, no, the, the more you're attached to something, the, the harder it is to see, you know, what what's going to happen or, you know, to see the various possibilities of the future because you get too attached to one of them. But yeah, no, it did. It was it was interesting, like super sad weekend like I I was thinking a lot about storytelling um in part because I was trying to think about what to talk about on this podcast because we're in the middle of Sagittarius season which we've talked about a bunch already um and it's this difficult Sagittarius season we already described you know all the planets in Sagittarius are squaring squaring Saturn and now they're all moving into a square with Neptune and um my feeling is that (laughs) 
a lot of this, th these last weeks of December are about kind of Mars breaking holes in or, or popping the bubble of, of uh, false stories and false narratives. Um, I find that frequently Sagittarius is like the sign of storytelling. Um, it's Jupiter's sign. It's the sign of the quest kind of we, uh, it's the only sign of the Zodiac that is represented by a literal mythological character, right? The centaur is mm -hmm. the sign of, or is the, uh, figure that represents Sagittarius. And so we get a lot of mythological storytelling thematics within the sign of the sign boundaries of Sagittarius and as Jupiter as its ruler is sort of the figure in the sky that can expand and contract um, to create the adequate space for uh, holding like big, big stories right? <laughs> and mythological stories are always about getting to some sort of deep truth. And that is what Sagittarius is interested in, right? It's like, we go on a quest to seek out deep truth, um, to enrich our life and to make us more wise. Um, and also to have an adventure and to have fun and to seek out something new, which are also qualities of Sagittarius, right? But this, this Sagittarius season has been a particularly difficult one because, you know, the quest we wanted to go on was immediately blocked by Saturn. <laughs> Saturn was like, nope, no questing this season. <laughs> and now these last two weeks of December, we have Mars. Um, well, we've had the sun, first of all, pressing into a square with Neptune. Um, Neptune and Pisces. And now we have Mars pressing into a square with Neptune. And now we have Mercury retrograding back from Capricorn into the late degrees of Sagittarius that will happen starting on Friday. And then he's going to square Neptune at the same time that Mars squares Neptune. So we're going to get retrograde Mercury conjoining Mars squaring Neptune. And so Neptune is this planet of like haze and confusion and imagination and creativity and sort of uh, even to some degree, like the spiritual or dream realms. Um, and I feel like this, this particular moment with, with the sun, Mars and Mercury all squaring Neptune from Sagittarius, there's this element of like, we are having to face our own confusions and our own delusions and our own imagine, imaginal worlds and sort of try to rewrite them or poke holes in them or make sense of them. And that's such as a really difficult thing to do at any time, but especially in a, in the holiday season when we're meant to kind of like 
buy into all these narratives already. <laughs> you know, uh, we're yeah. meant to buy into all of these cultural um, ideas. We're meant to buy into the cheer. We're meant to buy into the merriment. Um, but we can't because all of our dreams are being popped by Mars. <laughs> by Mars. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's what I was thinking about this weekend. Um, but I was thinking a lot about storytelling as well and sort of like what do stories what? like what are stories good for and what are they quite bad for? <laughs> and when do we hang on to them and when do we when do we let go of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm um I'm in the process of writing a like 6-month course like for this and so I have like way too much to say about it. <laughs> so I don't even know where to begin. I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um but it and it's an interesting thing because I feel like it's uh, been very culturally present. Um in the last few years and, and maybe longer as a lot of um basically as our culture disintegrates right as a lot of the because basically the big story that most people live out to a large degree is the story of the culture this is what's right. important this is what's not important this is what you're supposed to do this is what you're not supposed to do this is good this is bad this is how you dress this is how you talk these are the customs these are the the rituals this is you know and in, in different at different ages, it might even even been like this is what your profession is, right? This is this dharma. <laughs> this is it. You know, it's like this. The yeah. kind of it was defined by that, and I think it's really generally positive that our culture is disintegrating because a lot of that is, you know, kind of like an awakening or a realization of all the different problems. Right. You know, or um, all the ways that the stories of our culture have been serving um, power structures that are not good for most people that are living under them. So it's I think it's a really good thing, but it, it, it becomes this question of what's going to replace that. Right. Um, and and that's really a problem. to replace the yes, story. And who's, yeah, going, yeah. and who's going to allow? Because, and it's so it's an interesting thing because um, there's just so much. Sorry, again, I'm thinking about this a lot right now. But it's one of these the, the idea of stories and the idea of living in a story and being a person living out a narrative because that's how we live, right? We don't live as like numbers right. or as facts or you know like we we have like we, that's how we relate to the world and how we relate to ourselves. um but so it's this theme that you can see in uh culture in actual stories and um in uh like the healing journey and also in like a spiritual realization journey like these are all any forward movement is going to be a process of you know, having your illusions shattered, right? Um, at, at, for some reason or another, and it's it's one of the big problems I think in the spiritual community, where people have some 
like taste or experience or understanding of the illusory nature of reality right. and then decide, well, none of it's real anyway. You know, I don't have to participate or I'm no longer subject to it or I have realized something, you know, the highest realization that this isn't real and therefore I am no longer subject to it or responsible for any element of it. And yeah. it's 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 the thing that really um, like can be really harmful. I think you see a lot of different examples of how that can be harmful for people is not ever kind of coming back into a, a solid reality or a solid relationship with with reality. Um, and it's it's a hard thing because I I you know there are a lot of different traditions that do believe that there is. You know the Maya. It's illusion. It's illusion. It's not real. So it's hard to argue with that. Yeah. Um, and there are additionally a lot of stories and a lot of beliefs that we have in our families and in our heads and in our culture and in our, you know, political system and you know that are not true, just straight up not true and not real. Um, and I, I feel like in the last, was it like seven years or so, you're seeing a lot of people find out more of these kind of untruths but then decide to then decide again kind of a similar sort of process of being like okay none of it's real then nothing's real nothing's i'm gonna adopt some really wild and outrageous take yeah <laughs> yeah yeah some <laughs> even more unreal conspiracy or whatever yeah mm -hmm. it's it's so interesting and like i I feel like this theme has followed me my entire life. And this weekend, I was just really trying to make sense of it. Not because, like, I feel like I set this episode up to make people think something fucking horrible happened to me. It's, like, I'm fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I basically just broke up with someone I was dating for, like, five months. Like, it's not that big of a deal. But, um... That still but, sucks. Yeah, no, it sucks. But um, but it made me think a lot this weekend about narratives and about stories and what the function of them is in our life and in the spiritual journey. Um, and... <laughs> the difference between absolute or like universal truth and then relative truth. And um, I'll explain, I guess I'll just try to explain why, why my thought process, because I don't, I don't know how else, how else to do it other than just explain. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, I have, um, so I'm just like sad, I'm in the state of feeling sad because I'm experiencing what is, I think, just garden variety heartbreak. Um, but I am 37 years old and I was married for 13 years. So this particular kind of heartbreak is sort of new to me because, um, because I haven't dated that much in my life. You know, like I married my college boyfriend my first like serious boyfriend and before that 
um, I had only, you know, kind of little like teenager dated some boys who broke my heart, but, um, that was just sort of like unserious rejection, not like, you know, belief in a, in the building of a relationship that, uh, it was just, you know, rejection. And that's been most of my experience of like dating since I've separated from my husband a couple of years ago has just been like, you know, rejection, which I'm, I'm used to, like, that's no big deal. It's just part of a life, you know, like you get to know someone and they sort of, you sort of like them and then it doesn't work out and it's no big deal. It stings, but it's not the end of the world. Um, but this guy that I was dating, I had been dating for about five months and this was the first time probably in my entire dating life, other than my marriage, which was so long ago, it's hard for me to like connect to those you know, initial, mm-hmm. initial times, you know, it's like, um, and that was a very complicated relationship. I mean, you know, like all marriages are, but this, this is the first time where I was dating someone and I was like, oh, this is, this is like the person, you know, like, I think yeah. that this person that I'm dating is going to be the person that I like end up with in the long term. And so, and he agreed and stated that many, many times, you know? And so when we broke up, like, or when when he broke up with me, like a week and a half ago, I found myself in this like mental loop of like, but like you said, like you said, (laughs) you said we were going to be together. Like you said that you wanted this, you know, like over and over and over again. I was like, but you said, but you said, but you said. And and in my like adult mind, I was like, Chrissy, like all adult relationships are conditional. Like, you know, anyone can break up with anyone at any time. Like, why are you being a fucking idiot child? <laughs> you know? Um, but I had never, I haven't experienced that in a dating context mm-hmm. before, you know? I just had either got married or had, you know, kind of dated someone a little bit and then it just fizzled out before it became a relationship. This is the first time I've been like left from a relationship. And so my mind was like clinging to this like narrative of like, but you said you wanted to be with me and you said we were in it for the long term. And I said that and I believed that, you know? and. And I was like, why, why can't I get this out of my head, you know? And so I was like sinking deeper and deeper into thought about this and why, why is this particular breakup so painful for me? And I started to think a lot about stories and how like, you know, if you're in a, if you're in a relationship and you you create like a, a narrative or a context that contains the, the relationship, right? So um, like we were together and we were not, we were going to be together and we weren't going to leave each other, right? That's a very basic context or container for a relationship, a story that you tell, right? And I was like, okay, so that, how does that work, right? That, that creates a container that 
are the rules of the story that we're living in. And that container creates like safety for intimacy to be like deepened and to be to grow and for you to go on a journey together, right? Because if you didn't believe that, then you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to to do the story, right? <laughs> you wouldn't mm -hmm. be able to go on the journey because you need that structure, right? Or at least I do. Maybe some people don't, but <laughs> I, I did in this case. And so when the story gets broken, the fundamental reality of that container shatters, right? Mm -hmm. And then you're faced with this like this disparity right between the 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 relative truth or the relative sort of reality of like okay these are the the rules that we agreed to and this is this is a story we agreed to and we were living in that story with the like shattering and then that shatters and then you're faced with the absolute reality of like well, duh, like anyone can leave a relationship at any time. There's no, <laughs> there's no, mm -hmm. like, um, there's no reality that is like a hard or fast truth that anyone can commit to that is forever. Like I'm going to be with you. And that's just what it is, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. So like, so this is something that we see all the time, whether it's in relationships or any part of life or in a spiritual journey where it's like you have to create <laughs> this these sets of like relative truths or relative structures to exist within a story and to do that mm -hmm. story but those all of those sets of of relative truths like eventually have to shatter and break in order for you to like deepen your understanding of absolute truth and then go on the next journey. Right. So, so this is sort of like the interplay that we have to do all the time in life throughout, like in every single aspect of life is like commit to a story and commit to a relative truth story so that you can so that you can grow and then change, right? Is that, does that make sense? <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, yes. I think what, I think kind of what the most functional way of doing this is, is kind of having like a, bigger story you know like that's just about you yeah that isn't dependent on anything else that's going to happen or could happen um and so that as you move through like the smaller stories it's like that one doesn't um you know cause like everything else to feel like it's all right, right, down right, right because right, a lot yeah. of times because a lot of times that's what happens for people is like they're committed to this one story that shatters and then there's nothing else. And so, you know, it feels like their entire world falls to pieces. Um, and 
yeah, as you're moving through, I don't know, it's hard to say, you know, like, I, I think that ideally, you do learn something, you know, again, and again, but <laughs> I don't think that that's necessarily going to be the case. <laughs> I wish that was the case. But for a lot of people, it just ends up being what it feels like is sometimes like, there's an attempt, like there's like an impulse or a compulsiveness to close some kind of loop but an Ill mm. inability to alter the pattern. So it's like they're, you just try to close the loop the same way again and again and again and again. And at no point do you have the opportunity or the inclination to step back and say like, hey, maybe what what am I doing? Like, so this is the kind of long-term joke um, of uh, Jeffrey and my unpopularity is our emphasis on this idea of like, what am I doing and why? What am I doing and why? And how people, no one wants to talk about that. No one wants to think about that. But it's also the really, like, that's how you start to change, you know, move through these different narratives in a productive way. This is if you kind of have um, a sense of volition and a sense of, uh, you know, the desire to change and and it's one of these really, to me, there's a funny uh, relationship between um, like really clinical psychology and mm -hmm. kind of like spiritual principle. And then there's this like, forgive me for saying so, but generally kind of like terrible middle ground that a lot of people just wash into <laughs> that just like grabs different pieces of both. Yeah. Um, but the discrepancy, but the discrepancy that's funny is that um, there are certain like psychological principles that are generally accepted. And I'm not a clinician, so I could be totally wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure that they accept that there are certain patterns that people follow. But there's no real like way of explaining it logically or scientifically other mm -hmm. than they just know that this pattern happens all the time. So one of these things is that um, as you change, you know, as you develop yourself as a person, the stories or the situations or the patterns that you fall into will also change. And it's probably the result of like a million tiny little choices, but sometimes it seems to be like too fast, too much, too profound to just be a result of, you know, someone's participation in the world. There is, you know, this very strong pattern of people uh, making changes for themselves and then their circumstances changing. Um, and there's a couple other things like that where it's like, you know, that people are going to do. Um, so a, an example of this is if you are, um, uh, if you have some kind of like relationship with addicts, Mm -hmm. You know, there is going to be like people either with that same relationship or who are addict or who are addicts who are going to find you like from across the room, from across the street, like there's like a magnetic pull. And again, this is something that I think a lot of, you know, scientifically oriented therapists and clinicians know. But again, there's no real, it's really hard to draw research and data as to why that would be the case. So there's this kind of um, hard, you know, so obviously I would say, well, that's just can be explained with spiritual whatever, but 
not I mean it doesn't really have to be explained it's not necessarily helpful but there is um I think a genuinely mystical element of our stories if that makes sense like there is something that's very very generally kind of um you can call it magic you can call it mysticism you can call it spiritual about anyone who's on any kind of healing path or journey of personal development like the world is going to respond for some reason in a way that's going to be different than the way that the patterns were acting out prior to your change it's like you change and then your experience of the world changes um and that is very very common experience um but uh so yeah so so it's a hard thing to feel like maybe you can't control the narratives right but that we we have with other people and this none of this is directed at you and your specific oh yeah yeah, 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 no, right just... now. yeah i'm not talking about that um but there is something i think when you're sort of thinking about how do i want to what story do i want to be in or how do i process a narrative you would be maybe surprised by how much volition you actually have over that simply yeah. by altering yourself um which is not easy i feel like it's easy but it's really not and it takes a long time and it's like very incremental and then when you start to finally i i, I kind of liken it to like turning the titanic a little bit like once you start once you actually start like missing icebergs in your life you're like oh man amazing yeah that took a that took a lot more work than it seemed like it should have but it is possible and it does happen and then when it starts happening um it's really nice it just kind of makes the whole thing a little bit easier and it makes you feel more like okay i can i can change this i can do this um but it can be really hard to know where to start with that um, right. And in the context of a story, well, I guess I was just, I mean, if, if we're thinking about, I, I guess I'll, the reason I even told that story is not because it's an, not because it's a unique story or it has anything even to do with like what I need to do or what I need to change, but because it just sort of, it showed me for the first time something very basic that i maybe i understood before but didn't fully understand until now was like this <laughs> a stories have a really specific function which is yeah. sort of create a container for an experience right. and as a writer i know that because i've written stories or have understood how stories function I've worked in the film industry. I've worked on documentary film. I've written documentary films. I have, um, you know, written short stories. Like I've studied storytelling and story structure. And so we understand that from, we understand that from a writerly perspective that if we have to, if we're trying to take an audience on a journey that we have to have a structure, you know, <laughs> that we have to, fit the story into a predetermined um, or, or pre-agreed upon uh, set of rules or within a pre-agreed pre upon set of rules, whether that's the hero's journey or however you want to imagine it, so that the audience can track the story and understand and grab meaning out of it. Um, 
but in our own lives, we do the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. like we create little narratives that we live inside of that have their own rules and that, um, and that those rules actually kind of create the rules allow us to live out an experience that could change us we hope but maybe it won't is what you're saying <laughs> well i think i think what i what i was hoping to get at which probably rambling far away from but is the idea that when we are a lot of times when people try to create narratives um whether they're doing it and it's usually unconscious right it's it's usually like a conspiracy or a cult or a culture or something it's like the narrative's job is to um control other people Mm. and to make us all act you know do a certain thing and make everybody kind of be like this is what we're all doing and um those narratives are always going to fall apart because there's nothing real about them people can do whatever they want and they will eventually and it doesn't and and as many people just you know and it doesn't matter how many people are in the story going like but they can't you don't do that like it's not it's not gonna last it's never gonna last and it's when you're doing that um so when you're trying to create narrative like a personal narrative um i think one of the biggest things that you can do to create a functional narrative is to figure out how you can exist um like in a way that isn't in conflict with other people's narratives and with reality as you are experiencing it um right and the only way and so it, you know so you're basically taking the changing the story into like a very much heavy character development story i guess yeah um because that is the only real source of um momentum or you know movement that you can bring to the story um but i do think that the idea of like having structures uh is really important because we as like because in our culture we don't like structures or Another word for structures is limitations, right? We don't like to think that there are limitations. We don't like to think, uh, well, I'm not right for that, or I couldn't do that, or I don't, I haven't done the work needed to become an expert at that. Like I can, I'm an expert. I could do this. Like, you know, like there's this very strong cultural belief system that we have that it's like, you know, I could, I have no, I have no limitations, even to the point that we don't even like to talk about mortality, right? Or and there's a huge kind of interesting subsection of people that are really actively trying to overcome mortality. Um, well, it's interesting because um, a lot of storytellers would would say the same thing, and I agree that um, limitations are actually the most important mm-hmm. things in storytelling. If you yes. don't have limitations, you have no story. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And, you know, I was so what I was thinking a, a lot about this weekend was like, okay, so if a story, if the structure of, of a story 
is basically sort of the context that allows you to take a journey or to take to to do a specific thing right Mm -hmm. (laughs) um then how do we basically live in a way where we're okay with knowing that the context is going to break and have to shift once the story has sort of changed, you know, or moved on, or we've gotten everything we can get out of that story. Yeah. And, and I was thinking about how even in like, even in spiritual practice, right. Mm -hmm. Um, your body is a context. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) That you have to apply rules (laughs) and limitations to in order to sort of like achieve something spiritually. And, you know, I was, I had this very beautiful image in my brain this weekend where I was like, I was thinking about Mars because I think about Mars a lot because I'm working on a project about Mars. And I was like, why isn't Mars the ruler of Sagittarius? Like Mars is a very, very good at questing. You know, Mars is one who is willing (laughs) to go into the world and go on a journey. Um, That's what we do in Sagittarius. We tell stories that are based on journeys. Um, We tell, you know, we go on mythological quests. Mars should be the ruler. It's like Sagittarius is literally the symbol is the arrow, right? That mm-hmm. shoots from the centaur's bow. Um, Mars's symbol is the arrow. They have that forward momentum. And I was like, oh, it can't be Mars because Mars cannot shift and change the way that you would need to to be the ruler mm-hmm. of the of the sign of storytelling, right? Because yeah. the story, once the story is completed, the context has to shift and change. Jupiter can expand to hold the context and contract to wipe away the old context. Um, Mars can't do that. Mars is the actor, you know, within within the story. Like he's a very good actor in Sagittarius, like through that. Um, or he's a protagonist, he's the villain, he's the whatever, you know, mm-hmm. um, but he can't, he can't make the change. And I sort of had this image of like, of uh, almost like a wave, um, which I think a lot of people think of, there's a way of thinking about story structure that is like graphed onto a wave, right? So a wave generates, it builds, it rises, it crests, it crashes, you know, and then it hits the shore and it gets wiped clean. And so I started thinking about like stories as sort of like <laughs> these like relative truth machines, right? So <laughs> there are these these like structures that are built in the realm of relative truth to try to bring us into some deeper into some deeper insight, you know? And you know, the wave it generates and it creates itself and it crests and it breaks and it hits the shore 
and then it sort of exhales into this sigh you know and and the water spreads across the sand and that's like the moment of insight (laughs) that brings you into some some deeper understanding or some glimpse of like absolute truth but then it has to regather itself and form into this into another journey or into another wave you know and um and i was thinking about like how you know we can't like we tell stories to try to get at deeper truths but we have to use like untruth or relative (laughs) relative truth to get to the deeper truth but by engaging in the story or in the journey or in the relative truth, we are also bound to it. Like we have to play it out, you know, because our, like our karma or something gets like mixed up in it or gets um, like, we can't, we, we have to believe in the rules of the story we're in and we have to engage with them dutifully and honestly and like as best as we can you know because we have to like we can't exist outside of it or something like that um when we're in it i don't know if that makes any sense but it does um but there's also degrees to which you can um acknowledge the um So, you know, because we can't, because life is not going to follow a story structure, yeah, right? Like it's not like we're going to have those like mini waves, like all, you know, there's, those are going to come and go, but the whole thing is just like constantly arising, right? We're in a constantly arising situation. Um, And so a lot of what we have to do is a little bit closer to like improv, um, which again, only really works if there are rules, (laughs) like if you could like, and just like any kind of improv game or show like it has to have rules and structures or acknowledgements of limitations in order for it to go anywhere in order for it to continue to move forward so that's still important but um you can kind of develop uh, a relationship with the stories where there's part of you that acknowledges that um there are different reasons that you're participating in it the way that you are if that makes sense. So it's like, you don't have to fully believe in it in order to think like, so, you know, for me, a lot of my life is like raising children. Um, So I'll use this this as an example, because I don't know who, you know, who they're going to be or what their life is going to be like, or what is the best circumstance or what is going to be the best for them. Um, I have no, you know, I can speculate, I can have ideas about that, I can reflect on my experiences and other people's and consult, you know, people that I trust and so forth, but I I can't, there's no way of knowing that. Um, And I feel like if I were to um, try to do everything right with absolute certainty that it was the correct thing to do and I'm buying 100% into this narrative that this is the reason that I'm doing it, yeah um you know it's like i'm setting myself up for let down when they are when they inevitably face struggle in their life 
and when they are inevitably yeah. upset and when they inevitably have hardship because that's what life is. So, um, so it's, you know, I still want to be the best parent that I can. And I still do a lot of things to try to do that the best that I can, but I have to leave room for the fact that, um, I'm going to make mistakes. I am going to be wrong. Um, I am going to do the best that I can regardless of that. Um, they are going to feel bad. They're going to be mad at me. They're going to disagree with me. Um, we're going to have conflict. And that doesn't mean that um, necessarily, like, you know, it could mean that I've done the wrong thing or that I need to make adjustments, or it could have nothing to do with what I've done and just be part of their journey. So does that make sense that there has to be kind of like, like you can commit to a course right. in your life but without I, having a strong. But I feel like we're saying almost the same thing. Like um, oh, okay. it's almost like, or at least I'm, I, you're saying it in a much more articulate way than I am, but like, it's like, <laughs> it's just like going back to what you said before, right. Um, about how uh, like in the spiritual community, people can kind of like have a, have some gain some insight into the illusory illusory nature of everything <laughs> and mm -hmm. then be like oh none of it's real right but as a mother you can never be like yeah you can't this isn't really real none of it. you know right and, well and what, like and if, you, yeah. if, if you looked at like the whole so say like we're not like you said you're saying like things are constantly arising right and so i'm thinking of if i'm thinking of the ocean and like it's I could say the same thing right like there's waves constantly arising and so we're in all of these different stories at the same time right um mm -hmm. but we can't we can't abandon any of them <laughs> right until they're sort of played out because we have to like we hold loosely onto the knowledge of their being something much bigger than the story that we're in, but we're we're bound to the reality that we're living in, you know. Be and we have sure. to sort of like engage with it. We can't just like we can't step out of it because nothing is real or nothing is like nothing matters or 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 whatever. Um, sorry, I. I think I'm not explaining what I'm trying to say very well. Um, probably because I am still thinking about it. But yeah, I, I understand what you're saying of loosely, um, loosely connecting to the story that you're in. Yeah. Well, I just, you know, it's hard because um, if I was talking to you, I feel like I would be saying it differently because I would know where you're coming from. But because we're talking to a wider audience, I'm trying to say like, no, you don't have to play things out just because they're happening. Like right, you can, right, right. You know, you know, you can walk away from stories and narratives that are. Um, I see not what you're good. saying. Yeah, that, yeah. You know what I mean? Or, or you can, you, or you don't have to fully believe in something in order to participate in something and to really fully show up for something. Because, uh, you know, we just live in a world where almost nothing is perfect. Or pure or like all good and we still just have to do the best that we can regardless and I think yeah. that um I think it's you know it's just it's, it can be really easy to just decide to like take on and adopt an attitude of well fuck everything fuck this I'm not going to participate at all 
because yeah. it's not right and it's not perfect. And so that's why I'm over explaining. None of that's, <laughs> I know you already know this. <laughs> so yeah. definitely not directed at you. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a strange, it's a funny existence that we have. Um, and it's a funny circumstance we find ourselves in as creatures that are um, kind of inherently artists, right? Like we are, you know, we don't, we are experiencing the world from a very, very holistic place that is emotional and it is progressive and we are um, really good at looking for patterns, right? And we're always trying to like piece those patterns together which yeah. is why we're able to do so much. And so it's actually a lot of good qualities. It's just that those same qualities can really, uh, like, go <laughs> to spiral out of control. Yeah. Um, and especially, you know, now with the way that media is uh, and, and the amount of people that kind of know this about people and are willing to take advantage of that. And are willing to come in and say like, hey, I've got a narrative for you that's going to kind of, that I'm going to open up with, like, this is going to serve everything that you unconsciously believe and get you out of taking, you know, any responsibility for your life. And I'm just going to layer on a bunch of other stuff to that that's super, super harmful and so forth. But there's just a lot of openings for that right now, which is why I'm talking about it in such like, oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. Um, super careful terms. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't I don't disagree with you that it is very interesting to be someone who is uh like spiritually inclined and sort of experiencing like an internal breakdown of reality in a very direct way, right? Like a very visceral way, but then also kind of living uh material reality and the th- there's like a big gap between the two for a long time. Um, and so that's one issue. And then the other issue is like, okay, who am I in this world? Um, you know, what am I doing? How am I going to do it? What actually makes any sense? Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to, um, uh, so anyway, this is why I am trying to develop a course for this because, um, uh, I, I, I've gotten better and better, I guess, at pushing people into, or, you know, pushing slash helping people into states where these kind of internal breakdowns start to occur and, you know, different kind of realities start to emerge. But I have absolutely no desire to fill in like a general narrative for everybody, <laughs> you know, because I yeah. think that everybody individuals and I think your own personal narrative is more important but I also kind of understand why um, many traditions have such strict uh, kind of barriers around the tradition and this is what you eat this is how you act this is how you dress this is where you live this is you know like there is a there is a purpose to that and uh, I don't want to I don't want to do that, but it makes the, but it makes the conversation a lot harder. I will say that it makes the whole conversation a lot harder. Yeah. Well, we just can't we can't do that anymore. I mean, our societies are too interconnected and too broad, and we can't 
like <laughs> we li- we all live so differently you know so mm-hmm. when so many of these traditions these spiritual traditions were developed you know there wasn't as much access across cultures um and you know it was easier to say we should all live like this because we're we're all in similar conditions you know um, well, and they also they also usually limit um, access to the deeper work to right. a very narrow strain of people that would you know be able to adopt that lifestyle. And um, I am taking a lot of risks, I guess, by deciding that I don't want to do that, and I just want to make it available. Yeah, make it available to to anybody who is inclined. Um, yeah, that's a really different way of way of approaching this work. I was think I was I was like I said I was reading the um, Shiva Puranas this weekend, and um, I was reading mostly the story of Shiva and Sati, his Shiva's first wife, um, and <laughs> it was so interesting because. You know, I hadn't, I've heard this story many times um, told to me verbally or just read it in summary, but I hadn't read like a whole sort of description of it, you know, several hundred pages. Um, and, and I know it's told many times across different texts, right? So I'm only reading it from like this specific Shaivite text. Um, but <laughs> You know, Sati, Shiva's first wife, was like an incarnation of Durga, basically. Um, that's how it's described in this text. Um, the mother of the <laughs> universe, right? Um, Brahma and uh, Daksha, or Daksa, um, his son, want Shiva to marry um, because... They want the <laughs> they want the world or the the illusion that is the world that Brahma is generating to to procreate like more efficiently and better, and they want like the world to grow and they want human beings to to engage in in procreation and in family life and development of 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 the world and they think that if they draw Shiva into that that humans will do it more readily (laughs) um and so whatever they they convince um they convince the mother of the world to incarnate as daksha's daughter and she prepares her whole life to marry shiva and um and it's so interesting because (laughs) throughout the text it says many many times um like Sati has full awareness of herself as a mother of the universe, as as Shiva even. Shiva mm-hmm. has full awareness of himself as as God, as the universe, um, as the everything. But <laughs> they conducted themselves according to the rules of the culture. Yeah. They conducted themselves uh-huh. according to the rules of the society. Like I can't, I should think of the exact phrase because it's it's very specific. Um, and I have a terrible memory, even though I read this literally Saturday and 
Sunday, but over and over and over again, they conducted themselves according to the rules of their culture. They conducted themselves according to the rules of their society and that they could hold like both realities at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. being everything, but also being husband and wife <laughs> according to the rules of their culture. And, um, and yeah, I mean, like normal human beings, we just can't fucking do that. Like <laughs> we can't, you know, we get, we, we try, but we fail over and over and over again. So we have to come up with like a functional way of like knowing that we're the everything, but also existing in relative truth. Um, and I mean, that's what you're, you were sort of describing earlier. Um, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how any of us are supposed to do it. (laughs) Well, this is, I mean, this is sort of the, like, so for me, it's like, I go back into like functionality, right? Like I'm always like, okay, what is a functional way of being and of relating to the world? Um, Knowing that we don't know everything about the world. And knowing that we don't know everything that's going to happen, knowing that we don't know what people are going to do, how do we functionally relate to this um, thing? And it's it's so funny that we did this play so long ago. Um, You know, Kevin and I directed Six Characters in Search of an Author when we were like little baby little baby people. (laughs) We were so young. I remember going to that play. Um, Yeah. You know, I was 17, I think, and Kevin was 18. And the the idea of the play is that uh, there's an author that creates these characters, writes, doesn't finish their story. And so the characters are living in this kind of perpetual, um, like, playing out the story, the arc of the story again and again and again with no resolution because the, kid, because the author has not finished the story. And so they're yeah. like living beings that, are trying to convince the author, beg the author, please finish our story so that we don't have to continue living this out. And one of the arguments or like themes of the play is the idea that um, characters and stories are more real than we are as people because their yeah. stories are fixed, because their stories are, are, are static and because ours are always changing. Um, and so, you know, when I think about like, you know, so a functional narrative has to acknowledge that. It has to acknowledge um, our unknowingness, the, the, you know, knowing that things will change, like knowing that that's going to change and um, deciding how we want to relate to that change and how, who we want to be um, and how we want to interact with, um, with this world that yeah. we can kind of predict, we can sort of predict but ultimately it is going to be surprising. Um, and I guess that's sort of where I was trying to go with back to this idea of um, creating that structure via um, deciding how you want to change or deciding where you want to go or deciding how you want to relate to it. And again, it's I make it sound like it's a decision or like, I'm just going to do this. Um, whereas it's you know quite a journey in and of itself to start to do those things um but a couple of like the big uh like if you think of it as like structures um and this is gonna sound so freaking cheesy 
but um, I think a really important uh, yeah, a really important element of your personal story, and no one has to do this, of course, but I think that one that is going to act as a very wide gate into a lot of other um, very positive ways of relating to the world and to yourself is um, forgiveness. Mm. It's like include um, like an orientation and a desire for forgiveness. And I'm not even necessarily talking about like forgiving. I mean, it, it is nice to do this eventually if that's where you're at. And if you're not, that's fine. But, you know, I'm not talking about forgiving the people that have done awful things to you. You yeah, know, like I'm not even talking about big forgiveness. I'm talking about just like little forgiveness throughout the day and just like moving, practicing that muscle of forgiveness in your body so that you are, you know, you know, we, <laughs> I don't want to sound like I've got this figured out because I don't and I'm still working on it and I expect it to be a lifelong process. But to me, forgiveness is the antidote to judgment so you know start with the little inconsequential things like why are they driving you know why did they choose to dress like that why are they looking like that why would they say that like things that are not really poisonous or not yeah. really harmful like if you can just start working on forgiving people forgiving the people around you you're going to then be able to start forgiving yourself um and it's a really hard thing um, for all of us in this culture, I guess, especially, I can't really speak to everybody, but in our culture, we are trained to um, not like a lot of things about ourselves, and to not uh, look at a lot of things about ourselves that we can't, that we don't feel like we have control over because we feel like they are unforgivable. And so once you can start to move into self-forgiveness, then you can start to take, <laughs> it gives you the opening to start really examining your own bullshit um, without the overwhelming desire to be defensive yeah. or to sink into the pain of that. Yeah, like it's, and then once you can do that, then you can decide, okay, what would I like to be like? How would I like to change that? Um, or, you know, who would I like to be? How would I like to interact um, with the world moving forward? Um, and, and again, it's, it's not easy and it takes time. And if you're in any kind of situation where you are, um, where survival is like the most important thing, you know, you just have to make it through the day. This work is not, it's not the time for that. And just doing what you have to do is plenty. And I always like to say that because I don't want that people to feel like they're not doing enough when most of us are already doing way more than we should be, have to be doing. But, um, you know, just really kind of thinking about what are the most functional things that I can integrate into my narrative um, an acceptance of mortality, an acceptance that my time is not endless. And if there's something that I really want to do, I really feel is important to do, there is a limitation on the opportunity to do those things. And then the other one is um, forgiving other people 
for what they are, forgiving the world for what it is, forgiving God, forgiving yourself. Um, that's going to open a lot of gates inside of us that are going to make change and um, clarity a lot easier. Um, and again, it feels kind of silly to say because it's cheesy and also because nothing that I really want to say <laughs> is synced. Um, so it's hard to convey in just like one conversation. But um, yeah, if I had to choose two really important things, um, I guess the third one would be uh, acknowledgement of consequences. So just because the world is an illusion does not mean that there are no consequences. Um, and they think that's a major distinction that we should be making in a lot of different places. Yeah, I think that's like one of the biggest, um, the biggest things that people miss when they try to jump into the world is just an illusion talk um mm -hmm. is that <laughs> the world might be an illusion um you know we are all deluded by shiva's maya but um yeah. we're very but all subject to the consequences of shiva's uh, yeah maya. all the consequences exist within the relativity of the illusion you know <laughs> like right. um right and and then they extend <laughs> you know from life to life um you know as we regenerate ourselves within the illusion over and over again but um yeah i think that's like the biggest the biggest misfiring or the yeah like we are that i think that's what i was trying to say earlier when i was saying we're we're like bound to yeah, the yeah, yeah, we're still subject wave. to the consequences of it. Yeah, yeah, we're still subject to the consequences. That's what I was really trying to say and like couldn't really get out is like, you know, every time we participate in any story, the consequences are are real, whether or not mm -hmm. we, whether or not that, that story is ultimately um, illusory. Um, mm hmm well, and this is one of those callbacks to talking about how Westerners are really um, engaged with their thinking mind. Yeah. You know, as the bulk of their experience. And so it can be really easy for people to think that if they just think something, that reality will reflect that thing back at them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then also to respond to what you were saying before, um, forgiveness in the context of storytelling is the muscle that we need, I guess, to expand and contract the context <laughs> over and over again. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yes. Like, um, yeah. the, it's the mechanism that allows the story to not get stuck. Yeah, or and for us to not, uh, I guess just for us to kind of have a direction to go, to continue going as the story falls apart. Um, yeah. And then rebuilds itself. And it just, it, I don't know, it's, I, I feel one of the things that comes up for me a lot, just because of the nature of the work that I do with people um, and it's coming up a lot again this holiday season, is like, it's just, life is so hard. It's so hard. 
um, we're dealing with an out outrageous amount of stuff and it feels insurmountable. And so for anybody to be doing like anything, it, it requires so much courage. Um, and so anything that's going to help feed into that courage to me yeah, um, is going to be something that really helps. And I think that forgiveness is almost like a straight shot into that because once you know that you, once you have, you know, shown yourself repeatedly that you can forgive circumstance and other people and yourself and, you know, whatever else is going to happen, it's like you can move into the next circumstance with more of that solidity um, and more confidence and, yeah, more courage again and again and again as we need to through all these different uh, strange iterations of our <laughs> weird uh late stage capitalism lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Well, <laughs> back to, uh, I guess the, astro the astrology of the moment. Um, yeah. I'd, I think that this is a moment when, when we have to, struggle with all of these themes like and a struggle with these uh, you know at varying levels of depth but struggle with our confusion about reality <laughs> and where 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 our place is in it where our place is inside of it and what where we're supposed to go from here um i think that the i think next week is going to be pretty rough for a lot of people um I think the couple days after Christmas, um, they just look like a lot of both external and internal conflict, you know, like a lot of um, people not being able to communicate their thoughts properly and, and being misunderstood and feeling misunderstood and having to reconsider sort of the direction some big or small part of their life has been going in, you know? Um, <laughs> and I think that it's important to let people know that that's like a general, a general struggle across the board and not just you. And I think a lot of this will get strained out like in the new year, in the first two weeks of January. Um, but this is just, yeah, really, really, <laughs> a really challenging <laughs> retrograde um, of Mercury. I do think that um, if we're going to highlight like little bright moments, I think that Thursday evening and um, Thursday, December 21st, the solstice um, and Friday morning um, might feel like a little bright moment like a, a feeling of insight, um, a nice time. If you want to have like a happy holiday, get together, or happy time with friends Thursday at night is probably a good night for that. Um, Tessie's birthday. Yeah. <laughs> good news uh, for me. <laughs> yeah. uh, the sun and the uh, Mercury are going to have their Kazemi at zero degrees of Capricorn. Um, which is kind of like outside of the shit storm. <laughs> um, and it will be trying to the moon in Taurus with Jupiter. Um, so I think it'll be a nice evening um, 
And then as soon as the sun, or as soon as Mercury moves into Sagittarius, it'll be like, oh no, <laughs> um, all of the confusion is magnified. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if any of this is um, coherent. I don't feel particularly coherent, but I do feel confident that a lot of people are not coherent yeah. as well. I feel, I feel sort of, I feel as though perhaps we're like accurate embodiments of the moment today. <laughs> yeah. Like everything Maybe. is just a little, it just feels hard to pin down, um, you know, just everything. Like everything just feels like it's sort of drifty a little bit. Like nothing yeah. feels, and 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 not only does it feel kind of drifty, it feels like there's not like the normal movement toward being pinned down. If that makes sense, yeah. Like there's not like kind of a normal sense of like, okay, where is everything going? Um. So yeah. So if you're feeling that way, if you're having a hard time, you are not alone, and it will change because that's the nice thing about astrology is that we know that everything's kind of moving and everything is just going to go ahead and change and if you have you know the extra space and maybe it's not hitting your chart in quite the most difficult places it's also a good time just to remember that other people might be having a really difficult time right now um that's the other reason i like astrology is to <laughs> when you leave the house and go shopping and you're just like what is going on in the world you're like oh that's yeah. Everyone's having a really hard time because of this astrological situation. Yeah. Why someone stole my parking spot? Like, yeah. I think it, um, it's hard for me to say. Like, it's, I, I'm just like, I'm a rising Sagittarius. So all of the shit show is hitting my chart like so heavy, heavily and directly. And so I don't. I don't want to like over predict difficulty for everybody. Um, maybe some people will have a really nice Christmas. <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, I think the key to having a nice holiday is really going to be low expectations, <laughs> forgiveness, <laughs> and just um, feeling open to trying to enjoy every moment um without attaching to the bigger story of what is supposed to happen or what mm -hmm. you know you feel like the holidays are supposed to be like what what are you supposed to feel none of that yeah. supposed to is going to be very clear this holiday season if if everyone gets sick if people's if people cancel plans at the last minute you know if people aren't bringing in the holiday cheer just be like this is this is right <laughs> this is all good <laughs> yeah enjoy watching netflix with your child and eating macaroni and cheese or whatever <laughs> it's all yeah. okay and um yeah january will be a, a, a totally different landscape a new context and a new story yeah for us to jump into yeah i it's hard you know it's hard to be um i feel like our profession not that we have the same exact profession but being in this it's, it's a weird thing right because um 
we tend to be kind of focused on potential problems. Like that ends up being a lot of our role is to be kind yeah. of oriented toward the problems that might arise. Um, so I'm not, and I'm never happy about it when that becomes the case. There's always yeah. part of me that's like, I wish I was wrong about this. I wish this was better. Um, but at least this time around, I can really happily say that I think that um, it's going to turn around quick in January. For most of us, it's going to be like blast of caffeine or something, whatever makes you happy, just like sunshine. <laughs> the I'm sun good. will rise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, to me, it doesn't really look that dramatic like toward happiness <laughs> it looks oh, no. more it looks more functional like it sort of looks like okay. all of us suddenly slot back into whatever track we're supposed to be on in terms of like moving forward um but i'm very glad that you see like a happiness well, that Happy might just be my, <laughs> my, that might just be my flawed processing interpretation because to me, I'm like, what's more, what's happier than feeling functional and feeling like you're making progress? It's <laughs> the happiest thing there is. <laughs> Our delusions make us happy, Swanee. Come on. <laughs> what are you talking about? Functional. We are very, very happy being deluded. We all want to be deluded by Shiva's Maya. Okay. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, don't, I honestly don't know if like anything I said in this episode makes any fucking sense at all. I'll probably re listen to it with like absolute horror and want to abandon the whole thing, but no, don't. I think it's fine. I, 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 I don't, I don't disagree with you, but I think it's very on theme. I think it's great. I think it's fine for this week. Again, but I'm but I'm also embracing this whole idea of goth Christmas. So I'm like, yeah, goth Christmas, weird, soundtracky, ethereal with ominous tones, music, and murky podcast swirling around. Hopefully, a point. I'm very I'm fine with that. I'm happy. <laughs> okay, great. I mean, we probably won't record next week since it's Christmas. Um, okay. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to have time to, um, mm -hmm. although maybe all of my plans will get canceled and then we will anyway. We'll leave it loose, <laughs> but we'll definitely yeah, be yeah, back I'm fine. I'm fine. the first week of, um, well, actually, I'll be with you the first week of January. I know. That, see, I told you January is going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we get to be together, which will be super fun, and we'll have to figure out our audio system all over again yeah. so hopefully our audio will be good but we'll be very happy to be together yeah maybe i'll bring my microphone um but yeah private those are uh private things to figure out so we won't we won't drag the audience into them but we love you guys and thank you for listening to us talk nonsense especially me i mean i think i was mostly talking nonsense so um swanee did a much better job <laughs> I don't know. I like whack of myself several times there and I was like, what am I saying? What's happening? Um <laughs> So anyway, thanks for thanks. If you've made it this far, thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Um 
I hope that, again, I'm just wishing for people to have like peace and rest and as much joy as possible this holiday season, which I think is very reasonable to expect. I hope it's good. We love you. We love you guys. Good luck. Godspeed. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> Bye.